We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Before you guys listen to another episode of the Corner Podcast, make sure you guys show your support for the show by clicking on patreon.com slash the corner podcast and showing support for both Andreas and myself. We're trying to bring you guys exclusive content for the new year. That means exclusive shows, guest interviews, fan appreciation episodes, a little bit of everything on a weekly basis. And the way you get that is by signing up on patreon.com slash the corner podcast. There's different tiers, whether you guys want to donate $5, $10, or $15 a month. You guys get exclusive content and access to us, yes, both Andres and I, every single week. And this way, we can bring you guys the stuff that you want, such as merch, live shows, and even bigger episodes of The Corner Podcast in 2019. Thank you guys for your support. Now let's get into this week's show. We're here. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. Woo, it's been a while, and it's been a busy week. I'm tired, man. Um, yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, obviously, double or nothing in Starcast. We'll talk about double or nothing in more detail a little bit later, and what it means. Yeah, and obviously, we got to talk about John Moxley. Uh, making his arrival and a brunch that you owe me, but we can get to that later as well. I do owe you a um, brunch. Damn, it ruined the whole end of that for me, by the way. We'll talk about it. But it should, I should have been way more hype. I was just tight. And my phone had died. And I was like, yo, I know Dre is roasting me in this group chat. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> was. So, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about all those things. Uh, but, you know, we had our two live shows. Uh, yeah. I don't even know what to say. The diversity panel, uh, Wrestling with Stereotypes, uh, got a great response. But uh, it was what happened after that's really kicked this thing into high gear. And it was kind of all by accident. I don't think there's anybody that could possibly miss it because the shit was on Newsweek. Um, 
after we did our diversity panel, uh, which seems like it got a great response. The people that have been watching on YouTube have, have been uh, contacting me. I've done a few shows, brief shows this week, uh, talking about what we did. But uh, after Double and Nothing wrapped, I was in the media room uh, and they were doing scrum style interviews, which is something that pro wrestling never really does. They were doing scrum style interviews with all the talent. And Cody Rhodes happened to be doing a scrum. And everything was going fine. And Mark Henry, of all the damn people in the world, he <laughs> kind of took my question, but the way he positioned it was interesting. He talked about diversity in pro wrestling. And I was like, oh, because that's what I wanted to talk to Cody about, because him and Brandy have been talking about diversity and inclusion. And uh, Cody told a story about how he told Brandy that he was colorblind. And he didn't see color. And Brandy responded, well, then you don't see my struggle. And Cody replied, I never thought about it like that. And it made him change his perspective on race and seeing color and understanding what other people go through in their lives. Because by saying you're colorblind is basically saying I'm ignoring who you are. So nobody picked up on that story. Um, I looked at it for two reasons. This is one, we just talked about diversity, minorities and pro wrestling. And two, I was like, this is a hell of an antidote. We have an interracial couple sitting at the top of the food chain for one of the, the biggest and brightest new wrestling promotions in the world. And Cody has just made a statement about race relations. So I was like, nobody else picked up on this shit. No, you saw nobody reported it. Not and one. What I did, because I was funneling the interviews to my team at Sporting News. And I was like, listen, these are the notes that you got to hit. But what I did at first, given backgrounds, I was dropping videos in our Slack channel and I was telling my team, look, here are the stories. Well, here are the videos. Pull the stories out. And as the night progressed, as I usually do, I get real anal about things. So I was like, yo, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to actually tweet the videos to these stories that I want y'all to write. And then I need y'all to write stories so you get traction. So that was the first one that I saw that I said, this is a story. This is a very important story about inclusion and it piggybacks right off of our panel. So I posted it, 100 views, 200 views, 300 retweets, 400 retweets, 1,000 retweets, 1,000 views on the video, 22,000. I was like, whoa, wait, what's going on? Because this thing has got, this thing just got <laughs> out of control in a hurry. So somewhere along the line, Congresswoman Alexandria, uh, AO, the, the beautiful AOC. AOC retweeted this. BX stand up. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, she retweeted this and this thing just went banana. Uh it it hit every news outlet and you know, I had so many people cuz my DMs are open and I probably shouldn't say that because then now a lot of y'all probably will jump in my DMs just don't send me them dumb shit. Um but my DMs are open. I had so many people, wrestlers, just people in general about this retweet and I was looking at it like well, damn, how convenient. We just had a panel on diversity. And not to say that a lot of y'all didn't care, but this support is through the roof. And this thing is taking off. I'm still getting calls about it. Um, I'll tell you right now, guys, this, this video is at 1.4 million views currently. That's bananas. That's, this, is, this is insane. And now this conversation has to be had. And obviously they announced that StarCast 2 will be in Chicago Labor Day weekend. I've already contacted Conrad people. We are getting the ball rolling on wrestling with stereotypes too. Um, but I feel like there is a bigger task at hand where this can't just be 
Uh, I'm not saying it's not going to be linked to StarCast, but I feel like there's just something much bigger between this, Wale Mania, um, some of the relationships that we we made out here in Vegas with a lot of the, the wrestlers, Marty Bell, big shout out, um, Chris Bay, of course, Willie Mack, Kenny King, uh, obviously Kaz, but that's the homie. Um, I just feel like there's something bigger happening, uh, just talking about race and wrestling and minorities and pro wrestling. So that that's kind of summarizes that without going into great detail about you know the actual wrestling but that was my biggest takeaway and it just looks like uh, we're on the right path man like this is what I've, I've looked to do for a long time like this this panel um i was on john pollock and way ting show today i did a quick 20 minutes with them and way asked me if this was something that i just kind of thought of because you know kofi won the title and uh you know the women headline wrestlemania told him no because I've been thinking about this for a long ass time. You know, this panel was in motion starting at Royal Rumble. We didn't know Becky was in headline mania. We didn't know Kofi was going to win the title. Yeah. You know, this all just kind of fell into place. So here we are uh, wrestling with stereotypes. You guys can see it on YouTube. And I'm, Kellis posted the link. I have too. Um, and there's more to come. There's way more to come. Yeah, man. It, it's so crazy because, I mean, it's weird. Because I saw it, I saw it take off, and I was like, yo, it's so crazy that Dre pulled that comment. But then I was like, it's not. That's Dre. But that's that's one of the things we talked about, how important it is. And there's a full segment on our, you know, stereotypes panel where we talk about how important is it to have a person of color in the writer's room was our question to Kaz. And yeah. this is the, the point where it, we highlight how important it is to have a person of color in the media room. Because yeah. you, you got that comment. It was instant. Like, oh, no, this is something. And it, it's exactly what Cody was talking about. He was like, I don't see color. And he realized that was like his downfall, right? The writers in the room probably don't see color. So they didn't see that comment being a big deal. They're like, whatever. So it takes someone with that knowledge, with that that just experience to pull that and be like, this is a big deal. And yeah, man, it, it grew legs, and I was like, oh, that's so dope, especially for you. And you do shit like this, like, three or four times a year. So I wasn't surprised. Like, three or four times a year, you strike gold on something, and shit just goes crazy. But it's just crazy how it tied in to everything we were doing last week, to our live show, to our panel. And it's really been five years of this. Like, the basis of why we have this show is that. So it's yep. crazy that they ask you, like, oh, well, how long you guys been planning this? Is it just when Kofi won? Like, you've been planning this shit for five years. This is why you asked me to do the show. Yeah. I mean, even before that, like, before I've always... Group chats and, wow, <laughs> like, this is... You, you've you always been that person. So it's crazy to see, like, you know what? We can blend it. And we have a lane. Yeah. Like, the one thing that I've always been very purposeful with is that when I started covering music, it was weird because I went from covering music that I felt like I was like, oh, obviously black people cover music. I just <laughs> want to be able to tell my perspective on album reviews and I want to interview artists about their story. But what I found out, which was strange and a lot of people who are around the industry can relate to is there are a lot of white people that write about black culture. Right. Mm -hmm. And it, it kind of it was weird to me because I was like, yo, um, I give an example because nobody knows. I mean, people know who this person is, but I'll say her name anyway. Vanessa Satin, the editor in chief of Double XL. I met Vanessa. She's white. I met her years ago, 
And she she was telling me, I can't remember, she was telling me or somebody else about how much she likes ratchet ass music. And it made me feel weird. She likes, you know, she likes Shine and 50 Cent and anybody that was like had a rap sheet. And I'm like, why do you like that? And she's the editor in chief. And that's probably why I never really had a gig at Double XL. But uh, it was it felt weird because I'm like, I'm not comfortable with you telling my story. No disrespect. Like you can cover the you can you can cover the culture, but I'm not comfortable with you being infatuated with this aspect of our culture telling our story. Yeah. And from there, I was, you know, when I started doing combat sports, I found the same dilemma. I was like, yo, there's always these white writers telling black stories. Like it's and it, they became the same stories. So I was like, yo, and I realized quickly like there wasn't that many of us. And that's where this podcast started was because there's a very limited amount of black people that cover combat sports. And there's an even more finite amount of black people that cover it, that cover all three. Like Marcus Vandenberg, who had pointed this out to me, and I think it was, I didn't, I never thought about this, but he was like, I think you're the most prominent black journalist covering pro wrestling. And I never thought about it. Easily. And I was like, wait, but there's... There, there's no one else. Like, <laughs> so, I mean... Not you know it's it's a short list, but yeah, no, easily you are. So so this is why we have this podcast. I mean, you cover combat sports. We all like these the we all like combat sports, but it's like it's it's different. And this is why we had the 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 live show. This is why we had presence at Starcast. Because think about it, there was no melanin at Starcast the year before, and I'm not saying that there did that. They didn't want it, or it wasn't properly represented. It I don't wasn't know. purposeful. It, it goes back to Cody's line: they right. didn't see color, so they didn't know to include it. They didn't understand the importance of having it there until you brought it to them. I was like, "Yo, right. we, we kind of need a show on here," and they're like, "Oh shit, wait, no, there isn't any black people." But it's not a conscious thought they go about every day. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and it, it, a lot of people don't see it that way. And I, you know, when I've when I've talked about race and, it, and I, something I told Wei Ting is how many negative comments I get in my Twitter Twitter uh, mentions when I talk about race and people, you know, people just just shit on me like that. When AOC retweeted, oh my god, there was so much not like I am just now really getting to check my mentions and it's Thursday night. It's like almost midnight in New York, and I'm just now being able to, to get through my mentions because it's so ridiculous. But at the end of the day, this is what we want to do. This is why the podcast is here. We knew, you know, when we started this podcast, it's, it's a niche audience. It's a small audience. And we wanted to build it. And those who have stuck with us, we appreciate you. Um, and there's, there's much more to come. But I think this thing is, is getting bigger than either of us could have imagined. You know, I keep saying, I don't think people want to listen to us talk. But there's, there's, I guess there's a lot more to that. Uh, you know, we've inspired people to start start podcasting or covering combat sports. Um, and that means the world to me. So we're not done, people. We're going to do this as much as we can. Yeah, man. I mean, it's it's weird being in the eye of the storm, right? Like certain things just happen for certain reasons. I feel like me personally, my entire journalism career is that. It's just I've happened to be in the right places at the right time around incredibly talented people. And that's like my whole get like people like, yo, how did you start doing this? I don't know, man. Like I my first internship, I was hired by Nick Wright. Nick in radio to me is like as far as young people, no one does that shit better. It's why he's on FS1. 
There's no rhyme or reason. I was in Kansas City and got hired by him. Like, what? What the hell was I doing in Kansas City? And, you know, I mean, I was three months in, got hired, and then going and just covering UFC and boxing, and you're randomly in the room, and you're like, yo, what's up? You black? I'm like, yeah, I'm black. You're black. You're like, oh, shit, I like wrestling. I was like, oh, boy. And we had, like, some random-ass wrestling conversation where I had a hot take. And I remember you, Ryan, and uh, Marcus might have been at this UFC randomly. And I said some wild-ass wrestling hot take. And then we sat down for, like, three hours, and you're explaining me the importance of indie wrestling. It might have been, like, a CM Punk conversation or some shit. Or Daniel Bryan. It was a Sami Zayn conversation. Sami Zayn conversation. And I was like, yo, he doesn't do it for me. The character doesn't do it for me. And you're like, have you seen Elgin? Have you seen ROA? Hold on. And like, y'all mapped out the whole the whole joint for me. And I went and binged ROH. Then I came back with a better hot take of, you know what? Sami Zayn would be much better as El Generico. Um, But no, nah, yeah, it, it's crazy. And that's where, yeah, it started. And everything just so happens to fall in place. And this feels like that next step. Because it, honestly, only for so long do can people turn a blind eye to it. And you're you're extremely humble. This is one of your your good characteristics. You don't think anyone like oh why do people want to listen to us? Blah blah blah. I I am not. <laughs> um, humility skipped me. So I I know we are good. We are good at what we do. Um, I say wild shit and I can say wild shit because I am very good at what I do. I am entertaining and no one works harder than me. So worst comes to worst, the people who say legit, like, quiet takes, I'll just outwork them. Fuck it. And we'll be fine. And that's what balances me out with you. So <laughs> I can say the hot takes. I can be random. I can, you know, we can think and, and dream and be like, yo, we want to do this. And then three months later, we do it. Because we're we're that good and we're that talented. So I feel like this is that like next step where it's like, you know what, people really can't ignore us anymore. And the the platform is there and I feel like it's only growing. The buzz is growing. You look at how many you know, the Xbox interview is a great example before our panel where he tells Conrad, I'm sure Conrad wasn't expecting to hear a question about us. Like we're on the podcast stage. Yeah, like Yo, you asked me about these kids. He had to start thinking about answers on the spot. You can hear him. Like, he's racking his brain. Like, yo, no, that is super cool. I think it's the first time it's ever done. You know, my man has sporting news and all that. I mean, if he was expecting it, he would have way more details behind it. Like, you know, he would have said the people we had, all this shit. He wasn't expecting that. Like, that that buzz, that, that sweep is growing. I understand. Like, we went through and to book the talent, and we had amazing guests and all this shit. I'm telling you this much. Chicago, if we're in there and they're letting it go and, and I like the way everything's moving, if we're in there, it's going to be so much easier to book talent for this thing. Because yeah. we're, we're now part of that conversation. It's kind of like we're spearheading it. So, yeah, man, it's, it's to start something good. Dre, I'm telling you, I promise you right now, we can mark this down in a momentous occasion in this podcast history. If they mess up, Give us the bag and give us a weekly show or a daily show. It's over. Because the hot takes are flying, Dre. And you, you ain't going to have no hair left. Your whole beard's going to be gray. And that's yeah, just going to be incredible. A, I'm going to have lots of brunch, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Listen, at that point, I buy brunch every week. Um, no, nah, yeah, so it, it was great, though. Both live shows. 
before we keep it going, I want to say thank you to everyone involved. Uh, the Nerd Bar, everyone over there, you guys are amazing. I went and watched the wrestling show there Friday night. That joint was crazy. Chris Bay took a Canadian uh, Destroyer, which was a uh, or Doomsday Canadian Destroyer, which was incredible how he bumped for that. So that was super dope. Uh, all our panelists, Marty, Chris, Kaz, Willie, who is naturally hilarious. There were so many times I just felt like just dying on stage. I was just trying to keep it together. Because he doesn't even know he's trying to be funny. That motherfucker is so funny. Um, Kenny King shared amazing stories. Uh, everyone, even on the Thursday show, man. Without, without that Thursday show, we have no Saturday show. And that's what a lot of people don't understand. Like... These two shows were, were really intermingled and tied into each other and, and the overall goal. And it's a microcosm of what our show is. Like a lot, of, a lot of people tune in for the first 20, 30 minutes to listen to our show or are entertained when we're talking about Twitter or hip hop or politics, whatever we decide to open up with and tune out on the combat sports. Like the beginning 20, 30 minutes fuels the rest of our show. And that's what, you know, these live shows were like, yeah, we had our entertaining aspect. We we took people who didn't even care about combat sports and we made it fun for them and to listen to our show and get to know who we are. And the other shows on their views from the seven uh, red cups and wine glasses just opening. Never. They've never done live shows before. And I was like, yo, I want openers. I don't want music openers. I want you guys. And they're like, all right, cool. Fuck it. We'll try it. So them to bring out their crowd and man, it, it was so good all the way around. And none of this happens without that Thursday show. So big ups and respect to everyone in that regard. And man, it was just so fun. I remember being at Double or Nothing and just walking by and I'm like trying to get to my seats upstairs and seeing someone with a Corner Podcast t-shirt on. Damn word. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Devin had his joint on because he put it on. uh, He got two shirts. And he, I had a crazy hot take or some shit. Oh, I think we were talking about the Kendrick Marr thing before our uh, Saturday show, and he couldn't believe I said it, so he refused to wear my shirt, the hot, goddamn Mikel shirt. So he was like, oh, I got to wear the Andrea shirt today. You're on timeout. So he had the brunch guy shirt on, and I was like, cool, he's just wearing it during the Saturday show. No, he wore that shirt all day Saturday, and I'm just randomly, and he had like floor seats or something, so I'm randomly walking past that bottom area of the MGM, and he's in line for like sodas or something. And you just see him with the Corner Podcast Brunch God Andre shirt on. Damn. And big shout out to him for the uh he gifted us as well. Um Oh yeah, with the with the team specific hats, White Sox yeah, view. Yeah, he was a, yeah. that was that I mean listen, I, I can't say it enough. Um anybody who we've inspired, touched, talked to, like I'll take I I it's important to me to converse with people who appreciate what we do and support us because you know they people say it all the time without child we ain't nothing but i did ask me that shit because it's it's it is for real for real because i don't like people and i think i've said that a thousand times like i don't really trust people and their motives and their motivations but if i'm able to inspire you and if it's if it's a if you just need a couple minutes of my time to talk to you i'll give it to you because i you know you deserve it because i ain't that special but if I'm able to do something for you, I appreciate it. So, Devin, man, big shout out to you. A lot of the other, a lot of our other supporters who were able to make it out to Vegas, big shout out to you. We appreciate you. Um, enough with the mushy shit. Let's get on with it.
<laughs> yeah, we actually had actual combat sports this weekend, man. So uh, let's talk about that as we move the show along. Uh, you're in New York. Anthony Joshua is in New York. This shit doesn't happen every day. Um, he's here facing Ortiz this weekend. On no, Saturday. Andrew, Andy Ruiz. Ruiz, Andrew Ruiz. Excuse me. Uh, I'm, I'm bugging. I have uh, Ortiz on the brain because he signed a rematch with Deontay Wilder. Uh, which gets me to my point. Dre, I think the time has come where Deontay Wilder has jumped Anthony Joshua as the number one heavyweight in the world in terms of popularity. I agree. Well, I won't say the world. I'll say in America for sure. Oh, America. Yeah, excuse me. In our yeah, little microcosm. Because, yeah, overseas, I mean, Joshua would have still sold out in three minutes. But yeah. definitely in the U.S. and in the boxing realm, I think Deontay Wilder is now the, the bigger star. And it happened in a year. In a blink. Two fights and getting Wilder on ESPN and the Breakfast Club and everything else. What we've kind of been saying for years for black athletes and black stars, they're getting them to these platforms and man, and knockouts help as well. But I, so many people are like, I didn't even know Anthony Joshua was fighting this weekend. Yeah, it's it's uh, interesting because there's two sides of the coin, right? Like Deontay Wilder is internet famous now. He's virally famous. Like yeah. him murdering Dominic Brazil in the ring went viral. Um, his quotes go viral. My, the issue is, I don't think I, I, they aren't traveling for him like they are for Anthony Joshua. Like they are, the Brits are coming, and uh, like they, Eddie Hearn said yesterday, the uh, the undercard press conference are coming to drink your bars dry, and they're they're coming. They they're tra- like Anthony Joshua that. The adoration that they have for him is ridiculous to the point where I don't think Joshua necessarily cares about how much America likes him. Like he's fighting in the States, but he's not doing anything extra. Like he was on first take today. Um, I spoke to him on Monday. I've been here. I'll be here for an entire week and I'm, I'm ready to go home. But, uh, <laughs> you know, he like what he said to me, this is right before the Ortiz deal came together. Uh, he was like, there's no reason why we shouldn't fight. And I was like, that's really the first time I've ever heard you say that. And he was like, he was like, well, I kind of thought about it. And, you know, his knockout of Dominic Brazil was big and he's big time. So there's no reason why we shouldn't fight. And, I, you know, that should be the next fight. And I was like, well, what about Fury? And he was like, yeah, fuck Fury. I want to fight Dante Wilder. I was like, well, that's good to know. But we're still at this impasse where we have these two sides who believe they have credence to believe that they're bigger than the other side. Wilder's at a point now where I he can ask for 50-50. I believe this right now. Because Wilder's going to fight Andy Ruiz here on Saturday. He just fought Tyson Fury in Staples Center uh, in December. And then he, he's going to fight Luis Ortiz, more than likely in Vegas, this fall. Then he's probably going to fight Konaki back in New York, where the Polish contingency is going to go out and watch their man get murdered. <laughs> so he's gonna he's basically gonna have the entire the biggest markets in the states cornered where yeah. you can say I've run these parts of the country. So if you want to fight me here, I'm a draw. So I'm not coming to the UK. And why and Joshua's gonna be on the other side, like, dude, I, I you can't put eighty thousand people in the in the stadium. So I still think we're gonna have a pissing contest at the end of the day. Um, you know, I think I asked Joshua if he feels pressure to knock out Andy Ruiz early because of what Dominic, what happened to Dominic Brazil. And he was like, well, kind of. 
And that means yes. He knows he has to annihilate Andy Ruiz to get people talking. He knows he can't sit around and play with him. He has to kill that man. Andy Ruiz is a nice guy, a little round guy. He looks like the kid from Up growing up and started boxing. <laughs> that's what he looks like. He's a nice guy. He's lucked up on a lot of money, but he's got he's gonna have to go in there and die. It doesn't look fair. If anybody saw the video I posted today of Anthony Joshua making his way through the press conference to the stage, and then he stands next to Andy Ruiz, and it, it doesn't look real. Ruiz, I love that quote earlier in the week. I think you might have grabbed it. It was definitely a sporting news where Ruiz was like, he's not as big as I thought he was. Yeah. And I was like, what the, are you, are you looking at the same thing I'm looking at? Because he's towering over you. Well, I guess what happened is, so it's media workout day, and it was at one of these malls, because it's been raining, the weather's been trash, but they put it aside. So after Ruiz did his little open workout for the fans, there was a lot of people that came to see this shit. And Joshua comes down, and instead of leaving, Andy Ruiz is like, I'm just going to stay here. And he sat there and watched him. He watched Joshua worked out. And he was working out. And he turned to somebody and he was like, he's not as big as I thought he was. And I'm looking at him was like, <laughs> you must have thought this dude was like the biggest, like the undertaker. Or something. He must have like, saw the picture of you and Joshua next to each other where Joshua makes you yeah. look like just a mini me. Yeah. So maybe it's, it's that. I don't think he, because Joshua's, dude, he's huge. He's 6'6". He's a giant. Dude's got muscles on top of muscles. But I think Andy was looking at him like, and maybe he was trying to psych himself out. Oh, this won't be so bad. It's like brace for impact. You know what I'm saying? Like you're about to get hit by a Mack truck, so you just kind of buckle up and deal with it. But I think that's what's about to happen. Yeah, well, he just called the Mack truck a Volkswagen Beetle. So uh, that that's not the best best way to go about it publicly. I would say you 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 text that to somebody, right? Like it's not something you say out loud at this media workout. You, if you're thinking it, just shoot the manager next to you a quick text. Like, yo, he ain't that big. Like, don't don't say it out loud where people can pick up the quote. Um, yeah, man. Imagine yeah. if your girl did that to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, worst comes to worst, guys. Just have her put in the group chat. Like, if your girl's going to badmouth you, you know what? Put in the group chat. Don't announce that shit on social media. So there's layers to this. It's respect levels. And he just disrespected Anthony. Joshua, a guy who already... Even like you said, if he says he doesn't feel the pressure to get a knockout, he feels the pressure. Of course um, he does. Wilder went into that fight, or, you know, his last fight, feeling the pressure as well. Because it's someone Anthony Joshua already destroyed in eight rounds. But now he did yeah. it in one. So it's like, you know, one-ups to that. And from now on, whenever they meet, because they will meet, um, and between now and then, everything's a one-up. Everything's a competition. Wilder has pay-per-view numbers now. Joshua has gate numbers. You know, like everything equals out. Joshua's going to say, come on, I feel the city you're supposed to be king of. I'm filling it up too. And what? You couldn't come to the UK and fill it up. But who knows? Like, what if Wilder just woke up one day and was like, you know what? I'm going to have this Fury rematch in the UK just to show you I could pack that shit too. Like, they, they might just have like, you know, who has the biggest balls competition between now and when they fight. So it's all a one-up. That's what makes it exciting. And heavyweight boxing is exciting, man. So I'm, I'm glad this is the space we're in. Um, Fury's going to fight out here in a couple weeks. So that's going to be just another thing because he's kind of the man on the outside looking in. I mean, they kind of all are on their, their, their own little field. It's like, you know, Fury's with top-ranked ESPN, Wilder's with Showtime, uh, PBC, and Joshua's with The Zone in Matchroom. 
So it's like they all have their own little spot, and they're trying to to hog the spot, to get their own spotlight. It's weird that they're all fighting six weeks apart. Yeah, definitely. It's, it, it's like a heavyweight showcase. I like that though. Yeah, somebody said something weird to me on Twitter like a, a week or so ago. It was like, ah, you're saying the heavyweight division's back, but there's only three good heavyweights. Motherfucker, there's usually not two good heavyweights or one. <laughs> so it's like people are yo, spoiled as hell. Yeah, it's like, yo, it's okay. The welterweight division is arguably the richest in boxing, yeah. but even the top of the welterweight division is Terence Crawford, Errol Spence, and then there's like a second tier, which is like poor Keith I, Thurman. Yeah, Keith Thurman like used Keith, to be right there. Yeah, it's like Keith Manny, Sean Porter. Um, then there's there's Danny, Danny Garcia. Garcia. But there's still tears to this shit. It, like the heavyweight division's very it's, it's Fury, Joshua Wilder. And then after that is a bunch of good fighters, but they're not great. But dude, it, it doesn't Usyk's happen. Usyk's coming, boxing. right? It's yeah, Usyk, Usyk debut. Is, uh Usyk uh well he got hurt. He was supposed to fight last week. Oh, okay, um, okay. I knew it was so, coming up, but okay, so they pushed it back. Yeah, so they they're rescheduling him, but he's gonna show up. But it's just it's rare that you have three unbeaten fighters who have each held the piece of the belt at the top of the heavyweight division. Like when Tyson was storming through people, it wasn't like that. I'd say a lot of you guys just make shit up in your head that there was like these great heavyweights. There was Riddick Bowe, the Riddick Bowe Holyfield days, but then Lennox Lewis never fought Riddick Bowe. That was probably the last time you had three great heavyweights sitting on top of the division. Now it's you have three undefeated great heavyweights sitting on top of the division. Y'all got to relax sometimes. And yeah, just, just take what you get. And Klitschko's coming back. Oh, <laughs> Which you, you're not ecstatic about. No. Um, all right, let's talk about pro wrestling. We'll switch gears and, and go back to what was a, the cap off of our week here in Vegas. Uh, AEW, double or nothing. Um, man, it's being there live for it and watching it, it gave me like all the, the old school WCW feels. And a lot of the callbacks, especially in that Cody Rhodes match. They started off with the, the WWE-style callbacks with the Stardust mocking and all that stuff. But, man, all the, all the little touches back to Dusty's days, the, the promo Cody cut at the end, which was the Dusty Rhodes, uh, you know, talking to Dustin in the ring for a tag team partner promo and Cody flipping it. That was just so well done. Uh, the sledgehammer to the Triple H throne. Uh, I thought just coming out to the Triple H-style like like entrance was his one thing, the Trips and Stephanie thing, was mocking enough, and that was hilarious. But he went full 50 cent levels of petty and, and took out the sledgehammer and kissed it and they hit the throat. Like, all that, cool, man. Whatever you got to do to put yourself over. And uh, in-ring, I thought that was the best Cody match I've ever seen. So they, they put their best foot forward in all regards. It started off a bit slow for me. But even then, like, they had the Awesome Kong, like, random... Surprised they got a huge pop and everyone lost their mind for it. There was enough on every stage to make it make sense. Uh, MJF is a fucking star. That promo he cut on Bret Hart was just incredible. <laughs> I mean, the guy's arguably top. He is your number one wrestler of all time. He's at least the top two, if you're according to my list. If you talked about this on the live show, uh, all time. And MJF didn't blink, cut one hell of a promo. Uh, on a god of wrestling, man. So that kid's a star. Every everyone that night came off great. The John Moxley, you know, debut after the main event. Um, man, it, it was great all around. And I hope this keeps going. They're going to have hurdles. They're going to have growing pains. 
I hate seeing people just overhype it to a level of a, that's just culture now, right? Like everyone wants to be a hype beast. Everyone wants to be on something. They want to say, this is, oh, I was here before anyone else. Oh, I knew this was going to be great. Slow down. Let them build. Let them get better. They're going to have to cater to weekly television. Like Moxley is not going to be who he was before WWE. He's not going to be unfiltered. They got TNT. Like they're going to be on TV and shit, but it's going to make more sense. He's going to have freedom. So, uh, I, don't, I like what they're building. They're, they're going to run into some stuff like the Pac thing. Um, but damn, if they didn't rebound from that flawlessly. So I, I like it, man. I wish them nothing but the best of luck. And, and Cody is a businessman. He might be that guy, right? Like he might be the guy to come in and just flip this whole shit on his head. And we'll see. I mean, we'll get into the Moxley interview and I'll let you dive into that because the interview itself is just weird to me. But um yeah, man. Yeah, I like what AEW, them as a company, I like what they brought to the table. I thoroughly enjoyed myself at Double or Nothing. Uh, as much fun as I've had at a pay-per-view since WrestleMania weekend at NXT. To me, those these two will probably be the best two brands live that people can pay for. NXT never disappoints with takeovers, and AEW might be the same way. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought the show was great. It's... Uh... You know, my favorite match, it's crazy because I think I've been torn between the Cody-Dustin match and the uh, the Young Bucks, Bucks and Lucha Bros um, because the storytelling in Cody and Dustin's match was it was phenomenal. Yep. Um, it was Cody's best match. It was Dustin's best match. I mean, it, it did. It hit all the right notes. Uh, it's almost that might be something. Dustin's best match. Yeah, I mean, you think about all the gold dust matches. They, you know, they. Him and Piper's feud stick to my mind, but the match wasn't great. No, the matches have, you know, he's, you know, even when he was the natural uh, Dustin Dustin Reynolds, um, he never had a match like this. And this was just, yeah, you mentioned it, the callback storytelling. I mean, there was blood, and he bled a lot. Oh, yeah. Um, he he old school bladed. That was kind of yeah. rough. I don't know if that went the way he wanted it to go. I don't know, but there was a lot of blood. Uh, but the the match it, from from front to back, it hit all the right notes. And these guys, it makes you wonder because the WWE had this in their lap for years, and they just never pulled the trigger on it. And now I'm thankful that they didn't because they would have never been able to tell this type of story. No, uh, with those two, because you know if they did WrestleMania, probably got ten minutes. They, you know, but. Fortunately, that Cody and Dustin had the, the platform to do it here. Um, the Lucha Bros and the Young Bucks was phenomenal. Uh, the apron de- destroyer was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Phoenix, Phoenix's bananas. Um, the Cody Jericho match it was not. It didn't come close to the the Wrestle Kingdom match. Uh, it was good, but it was it was for me a distant third on this card. Yeah, but um, I, it was a means to an end with Kenny and, and Jericho, and I understood it. Well, yeah, no, I got it. I think um, unless you have been watching the build on YouTube, you weren't aware of Jericho's Judas effect, his spinning elbow that he had been working on as a finisher. So when he hit Cody, with, I mean, Kenny with it, people were like, that's it? But yeah, if you watch it, that was his finisher. Yeah, and he was going on the little MMA bags and everything. Yeah, so that, yeah, that's what he's bags. been working on. And keep in mind, Kenny's, you know, the one wing angel is still the most protected finisher in pro wrestling. Yep. Because if he if he hits it, you're done, unless there's a rope nearby. Other nobody's kicking out of it. Um, but the match was great. I mean, the the the, the battle with the casino battle royal was clumsy. 
I will say that. It was clumsily handled because there was no real countdown. It said it was supposed to be three minutes before every entrance. The first five guys were out there for like an eternity um, before the, they did a countdown. And then the, the, the next wave didn't like Brian Pillman's group didn't come out for like seven minutes. So it was really clumsily handled. Once we knew Hangman Page was in it, everybody was like, fuck this, the match is over. We know who's going to win. Um, but other than that, I mean, the the the, uh, the uh, Isaac Kong match, the the, uh, the Josie match with the, the six-woman tag match was great. Uh, the Jack Evans, who bumps like a madman against the best friends, that was fantastic. Like, this this card is something for everybody. And there's, there's this, and I'm going to go into this. There's this weird contingency of people that have been they they've wasted little time wanting to see AEW fail. And it's to a point where I'm getting disgusted with it because I don't understand why you want to see a new company fail. I think you should just, if you don't like it, just don't fucking watch it. Yeah. Instead of burying it on social media because it this is the alternative. I, I, I'm a person who begs for alternatives. Whether you love them or not, as long as you have something else to look at. Like the WWE has been dominating the marketplace for so long that the fact that we now have an alternative, a viable alternative that has money behind it, so the presentation isn't bullshit, and the talent actually wants to go there, you should be happy. But and maybe it's not for you, but that's not, that's the point. AEW is not here to be for everybody. Like the blood itself, and the blood in Cody's ass and the goddamn in their match is a sign that we're not trying to be WWE. We're giving you something different. If you don't like it, move on. I find it very strange that people want to see AEW fail or spend a lot of time crapping all over it. And I also find it strange when when people want the WWE to fail. I don't want them to fail. No, I want them to We want them to be good. We watch yeah. it every week in hopes that this is the week shit turns around. And it, yeah, but the fact of the matter is it sucks. It's, lately, it sucks. And, and we're all hoping that... AEW can give a push and a nudge and, and, and have Vince treat the, their talent better. Because NXT is still going to be NXT. It's still going to do its thing. Yeah. Like, we're going to talk about TakeOver in a little bit. But, man, I don't understand, y'all. Like, some of y'all that really, like, yo, uh, I've seen posts like, this wasn't as good as Money in the Bank. Fuck out of here. This shit was better than Money in the Bank. Like, Double or Nothing was... Money in the Bank was, wasn't horrible. though. It wasn't but, horrible. No, yeah, but, this was definitely man. better than Money in the Bank. But it's like, why are we doing this? And then There's people no like, need for comparison. I could have been yeah. like, this wasn't as good as TakeOver at WrestleMania. Because guess what? Probably wasn't. But who cares? It was right. very good. It was very, very well done. But to, for people to, to go out of their way to shout these things down, completely unnecessary to me. Um, they were like, well, it wasn't as good as TakeOver. Okay, that's fine. Because that's true. Like, TakeOvers yeah. are always phenomenal. Yep. And AEW is going to put on more and more shows. And they're, they're like, this is their first show, guys. Be Be happy. So I enjoyed it. I, and I can't I wait to see what Trips breaks out for TakeOver. Because he says, you know, he's just doing his thing and wants to make it the best. But I, I think he was going to go all out. I, I think he wants to make this. Because it's a natural competition. I, I don't even think it has to be the... Because you see the antics by Cody, right? <clears throat> and we'll talk about the Ambrose interview here in a second. But there's the Ambrose comments and, and people played up those headlines to be something it wasn't. And... You look at that, and there is a competition. You just can't avoid that. Cody with the sledgehammer, everything. But I don't think it's a malicious competition. No, it's not a yo. I want to see WWE fail. I don't. I don't think Cody wants to see WWE fail. He has so he many does. people there that he still loves and, and knows. Like honest to God, like Ambrose commented on that. Like yo, EC3 is the truth. I want to see him succeed there. 
Like there, there's yeah. a competition between brands, and it's a healthy competition. Just like you want to bust your friend's ass in, in video games. You don't hate your friends. But you know what? If we're playing ball, if we're playing video games, I might talk trash. You you know, I'm, I'm going to whoop up on you. I ain't going to let you win. But it's going to make us both better, and we're going to have some fun while doing it. This is just not but good nature trash talk. So I, I think that competitive spirit, it's not, it's not Triple H hating AEW. I don't think he hates Cody. I, I don't know how he could hate Cody and Dustin after Dusty working at NXT and helping build that, you know? Like, Trips has to see this, and he's like, okay, cool, man. You guys go and do your own thing. But in, in the same regard, he knows he has the talent. And one thing WWE has is the embarrassment of riches, talent-wise. More so than AEW can even dream of. You, you can have a talent share with AEW, ROH, New Japan, and they're still not touching the current WWE roster. Uh, no, if, if used correctly, talent-wise. So Trips has an embarrassment of riches. He's going to go out there and he's going to parade guys. Like Johnny Five Star at this point. Is that like three five-star matches in a row? Five? There was years WWE had no five-star matches. Gargano has like a ton of them in his pocket uh, between DIY and then now his solo run. So, man, he's going to put on a great show. And I think they're going to, you know, just good nature one-upping each other. It just doesn't seem like Vince is in on this. Like... Vince sees no competition. Vince is running his own lane. He's his own horse. He sees the money. He got the bag. He can do whatever he wants. Hey, Vince's only competition is the stockholders and now Fox, right? Like Vince is like, how do I make them happy? And he thinks parading all these old people are going to do it. Um, but that's Vince's mentality. And it's alienating, it seems like, the locker room uh, from the Moxie interview and you know just shit going around the internet. It seems like a lot of people are pissed off by that. So the main roster seems to be lost in the sauce, but and you say all the time like nothing's gonna change with Triple H, but you know what? Maybe not, but maybe so. No, none of us know. We know it's shitty now with Vince, so who knows what we get if there is a change? But I know NXT is pretty damn good, and the man running it seems to have a pretty good pulse on how to tell stories. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what this what it means for this takeover because let's be honest, this takeover looks very underwhelming on paper. We've seen this happen before where takeovers Ooh. look underwhelming on paper. I don't, I don't know about that, but okay, dude, I'm not I'm not typically excited about the build to a lot of these matches. We have a tag team ladder match. I'm all in on that shit, I, and it's cool. But Lucha like Bros, again, Lucha Bros, I guess, and what's his face had probably the longest build. And Lucha Bros and uh, the Young Bucks had the longest build, I'm going to say. Or the most like in-depth build on the AEW card. And that was like CMLL show, a random show in Atlanta, the presser. Like it, it doesn't have to be too crazy. Like They packed a build into this NXT because the War Raiders got called up and got a million name changes. Yeah, but so my issue, well, my point is this, is that I'm not, on paper, I'm not excited about this card. I'm not, like, on paper. But NXT has had a knack of delivering when we least expect it. So I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. Like, I'm looking at the ladder match, and I'm like, "Mm, okay, but hopefully it's a good match. Like, the storytelling NXT has been bad because... They have been gutted by the main roster every goddamn month. Every yeah. month they turn around, the writers look and it was like, oh, there goes another one. Oh, there goes another one. Like, what are we working with? Yeah. With meanwhile, no preparation. Meanwhile, like, Buddy Murphy hasn't been seen on fucking television in, since he got called up. 
um, to the main roster. We haven't seen much of Cedric Alexander other than him chasing after our truth. It's just it's 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 who, bad. Who we have to make we have to acknowledge our truth is an incredible twenty four seven champion. Yeah, we can acknowledge that, but okay, we all know good, the minute that good. he drops that belt, because you know he's going to drop the belt. The minute that he drops the belt, then it's worthless. Correct, but then, right now, can... I'm riding the wave. That, that shit's incredible. He thinks he's the European champion, which is hilarious. Like, man. And then Kaz's story about truth. There is some magic to the guy. I can't even hate on him anymore. No, I think I think our truth is just he's a he's a tremendous talent for what he is. Yeah. Um, and it works. But I say that to say this. NXT is we expect it to deliver. We're at that point now where even if the card doesn't look good, we're like, all right, well, shit. Wow me. And you have your opportunity. Don't know what – I mean, I, I don't know if this will be the best one, but I feel like they'll deliver. I don't think there's going to be a bunch of tricks involved. I think we're just going to have some great matches. That's what mm-hmm. they need to do. Um, but you're right. There is a silent competition. There is – it's a competition to make the other side better. Yep. And – you know, the Moxley interview outlines, and I guess we'll get into it. The Moxley interview outlines something that's very, very important to why the WWE isn't great right now. It's the storytelling and creative. It's fucking terrible. Yeah. It is really, really bad. And the stories that Moxley tells on Jericho's podcast very much outline things that are just utterly ridiculous that Vince basically has toilet humor. If you tell a joke, you become a comedian. And, you know, he. There is he's very hands on with a very archaic thought process on what should work. Meanwhile, you know, guys like, you know, when Dean Ambrose was coming out, of the show, like we all like when you listen to the Dean Ambrose heel thing and he was like, you want me to cut another promo on my friend who's dying of leukemia? Why? Yeah. And then it goes into. So I'm supposed to wear a surgical mask because I think the crowd stinks. What are we like? What are we doing? We're not making Ambrose a heinous heel. We're making him a joke. Right. But it, the one thing he never said was that the, the anybody's in ring was bad. It was creative. And the thing that's killing WWE to this day is how uncreative they are with everything that they do. And now they're in a complete panic mode where. Well, now we get the- we get two two visions of this. Right. Because real quick, because you talked about the Ambrose version, but we happen to get the Kaz version of being in the writer's room. And yeah. he's writing for one person. And that one person will show up on Monday morning and said, no, this whole shit is done. Right. And we're doing this. Like, it comes down to one person. And it I, does. I, and this is no longer an industry. And it's not. Like, Gato's amazing in New Japan. But there's still other people with input. This is no longer a an industry where one man can control all narratives. It's not. Social media, all this shit's taking off. There's too many different... It, it takes a room of people, a room of creatives to do this shit. You can't be a one-man band anymore. And I think that's the problem we're seeing. Well, I, don't, I don't know. Like, I don't, I'm not going to say that you can't be a run, one-man band, but I would advise not to. Yeah. And in Vince's case... That shit doesn't work like, anywhere. Like, you see a me- any media outlets are one-man bands? Like, well, I mean, there's never really it. been a media outlet that's been a one-man band. But, I, you know, I think... You look at somebody like a Gato, and he can do it. You just got to have the right people that understand how this shit works. I think there are, there are two issues. You have an issue where one man sits at the top with his vision on how things work, and then you have a room full of writers. 
right? And you only take maybe 30% of ideas. And if you like an idea, you take it and you tweak it. It becomes this very convoluted process of writing for talent. And you like on our on our show, we listened to Kenny King was like, do you think I'd really say this? Or you listen to Willie Mack. It was, it was really the writers don't even know what the hell they're writing half the time. They don't really know how to write in the voices that that people can understand. So the, the creative process of WWE is ridiculous. And so all, all they're doing is leaning on those that they know. OK, let's put Roman Reigns in like two segments this week and then we'll put Kofi in three segments and then we'll put, you know, Becky like they're overexposing the top talent. And not telling any stories in the mid card. Yeah, so they're less problems. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and 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 you know, granted, that, that is a it's a gold concept, but it's going to wear thin really quick yep. because what? How long can you do this shit? And furthermore, it's just a matter of listening to Ambrose and how he explains. It was really just creative that made him miserable. And I've heard those things. I hear talent is miserable. And they're unhappy with creative, not the matches, creative. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you watch a three-hour show. Look, for example, just watch the Hulu version of Raw. The Hulu version of Raw this past week did not have this heavily lauded Ricochet and Cesaro match. Which is why? a damn shame. But it's like, why? I don't know. If you're not going to focus on wrestling, what are you doing? Yep. So I, I don't know what they're going to do. Just hopefully... The ADW can push them to do better. That's it. That's I just want them to do better. That's it. Want everyone to do better. Um, let's talk about the NXT card real quick. So Matt Riddle versus Roderick Strong is a non-title match. I, I like this matchup a lot. Um, to me, Riddle hasn't really been winning a lot lately. But uh, I don't know. Roderick has to be kind of strong because I think now is the time where you kind of position the uh, Undisputed Era to have all the belts. And that would mean Roddy really needs to challenge uh, Velveteen Dream or Tyler Breeze here coming in the, you know, into the next pay-per-view. So I, I think there has to be shenanigans. I always book shenanigans. But uh, Matt Riddle has to lose this match. I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Matt Riddle actually wins because I think the future's still with him. And I think he's, I'm not going to say he's a guy that you have to protect because obviously he lost and that shocked a lot of people. But I think him losing back-to-back matches might knock a little of the uh, the shine off of him. Okay. That would be totally wrong. I don't know what the long-term plan is right now because I don't think anybody knows because, you know, Vince could call his ass up tomorrow. Um, but I, I think I'm picking Matt Riddle to win, and I don't know if we'll have shenanigans. I just think I think we're going to have the match that we're waiting for with Matt Riddle and Roderick Strong because the quietest kept is two motherfuckers can go. Oh, so yeah. I think – I think we're going to have a match where these two guys just completely show their ass and uh, we're reminded why somebody like Roddy's one of the best talents in the world. It doesn't get enough shine. So, But I'm, I'm still going to go with Riddle. All right. Um, Velveteen Dream, Tyler Breeze. <clears throat> it looks like Tyler Breeze is going to be in NXT for the foreseeable future. But uh, I, don't, I don't think you know they'll even use him to push him necessarily. I think he's just there to kind of be uh, an enhancement talent. They can get the best out of other guys. So I'm going to say Velveteen Dream retains. And what should be a good match, though? Yeah, I think this will be a great match. Um, you're right. Putting in, you know, so here's my issue. Tyler Breeze and NXT sounds fantastic in theory. The problem is with Tyler Breeze, 
is that there is too many goddamn people in NXT that aren't getting any of that one-hour television time. So I don't know where he fits in in the long term. Tyler Breeze right now feels like Dolph Ziggler coming back on Kofi Kingston without all the anger. It just kind of just came out of the blue. And it's like, oh, yeah, you're challenging for the title. Why? I don't know. You haven't wrestled in like a year. But here you go. You get a title match. It just felt really strange how they did it. Yeah. I'm not necessarily mad at it for either guy. But I just wish there was a little bit more significance behind why they're challenging for the title. Because both like, just seem like one-offs. Because there's no yeah. there's no rhyme or reason to continue the feud. So it just seems like and, a one-off, something to do until you get the guy into his next feud. And it feels a little like Mickey James when she fought Oscar. Because it just it, it just kind of came out of nowhere. Now, granted, Mickey James was somebody who was gone from the company for a while, but it has it, it feels very much the same. Where it's just like, all right, let's just kind of stick somebody in here. I want to see Tyler Breeze. I, I think he's a great worker. I just wish there was a more story behind it. But I, all, all that to say, I don't see Velveteen Dream losing this match. That shit ain't happening. Nah. Must protect the Dream at all costs at this point. Uh, and not move him up. So keep him with that belt. Uh, tag team ladder match, which probably opens the show. Oni Larkin and Danny Birch. Street Profits. Undisputed Era. Forgotten Sons, which they're still trying to get over. Um, yeah. I'm scared to death that they give them the titles because they need it most. In, in smart booking land, the Forgotten Sons need it the most because if they don't get the titles now, who the fuck are they? Like, it'll boost their characters the most. But, you know, Undisputed Era holding all the belts is really dope or, you know, it might be shit or get off the pot time with the Street Profits. So who are you picking? It's tough as fuck. Uh, Undisputed Era is still my pick. I, I think they have to hold all the belts by SummerSlam. Like, I, I think if that's the next takeover, and which I believe it is, Undisputed Era has to be champions all the way through. All of them have to hold the gold. Hmm. Um, yeah, I'm picking Undisputed Era as well because kind of the reasons that you just mentioned – um, and I just don't think any of the guys are worthy to carry the title right Street now. Street Profits like, had a, I mean, they had the feud with the War Raiders and pretty good matches that all ended in shenanigans. Yeah, it's it's something weird about the Street Profits for me personally. Like I watch them wrestle, and it's really Montez Ford and then Dawkins. Yeah, right? I mean Dawkins is the Genetti. Like we, yeah, we can all be honest. And and when I see it, I'm just like, eh. Like, I'm not going to say they're, they're not, okay, with the tag team champions that we've had, like Gargano and, uh, uh, and Gargano, DIY, yeah. Gargano and Ciampa, Revival, um, American Alpha. Undisputed uh, Era. Undisputed like the, Era. These are workers. Yeah, like, these, like yeah they, these tag teams, they wrestle a variety of styles. War Raiders are weird because we only saw them really wrestle like it felt like two or three times and they were gone. Yeah, um, but they're still their work rate was great. I mean, AOP is probably the only ones that didn't have an extremely high work rate, but they were always in there with crazy good workers. Right. So they 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 were built off of size, like they were two giants that just tried to murder people. Street Profits, I kind of watch them. I'm just like it, it, it's a lot of the same beats in all their matches that they go through. And Dawkins, he just kind of sucks to me. So. Can't see them winning. Uh, Birch and Lorcan, I look at those those guys, and they're the workers. They're the guys that are going to do some dumb shit off a ladder. They're going to they're gonna hit each other very, very hard, and they're going to be fun to watch. 
Forgotten Sons, just forget them. I mean, just god damn. They're trying to make it work. It's like it's like fetch. Like you, you just can't make it work, man. You can't make it stick. Like they they just aren't good. It just it's not fun to watch. I don't know no. whose bright idea is this to keep pushing them. But y'all gotta relax. They're like, trying, man. A- trying everything for Wesley Blake. Like he, he's just not it. I do like the other dude. Uh, not Cutler, but uh, what's the other guy who looks menacing? That oh, dude is dope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he has a great look. He's scary as shit. Yeah. Like, if you could just move Blake out and have that dude in Cutler, you might be onto something. Or how about we just push that guy by himself? Like, and not strap him to this faction. So, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think yeah, they're so deserving of winning either. No, so that's why. Like, in the Undisputed Era, I mean, the truth of the matter is, when Red Dragon got the title, Fish and O'Reilly, Fish got hurt. So we never really had a Red Dragon run with that title. And that's what I'm looking most forward to because – Again, the embarrassment of riches. They have one of the best tag teams on the planet on their roster. You got to use them. Yeah. You have to. Damn, it's, it's incredible. I sent you this earlier, but NXT has been doing uh, the fantasy booking of old NXT people versus the current roster. And it's some incredible matchups. And you just, it's mind-blowing to think what they have under one umbrella. I mean, it was Matt Riddle versus Cesaro in this fantasy booking. It was Keith Lee versus Samoa Joe. And, and then you look at, it was uh, Undisputed Era, O'Reilly and Fish versus The Revival. Like, how fucking nuts would that match be? It's too bad because they can do it, they just don't want to. Yeah, I mean, it's just... No, because you move them up and Vince will never pair them together and it's just a horrible act with people shaving backs. Toilet yeah. humor, right? Like, that's what we were talking about? Like, oh my God, it's so funny to see two people shaving each other's backs. Like no, only to you, Vince. Like yeah, ah ha ha. Yeah, you need next levels of cocaine to enjoy that. Um, Shayna Baszler versus Io Shirai. I'm tired of picking against Shayna, man. She's gonna win again. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm gonna just stay with what I said months ago. The only person taking the belts off of Shayna is Candice LeRae because she's the eternal baby face, and that's how she gets over. So Io Shirai, she's taking the L. Oh God, I fucking I don't know. Um, it's another match where I feel like, and it's strange because I never say this about NXT, but Shayna Baszler has overstayed her welcome, and it's a it is a weird thing because I'm but not you, saying it like you're trapped like, now because Ronda's oh, gone, yeah. so oh, you, yeah, you can't trapped. even move her up. Like where you go, well, her and her whole crew were predicated on moving up with Ronda and getting horsewomen versus horsewomen, and. The Becky shit happened, and they had to roll with that, and they didn't call her up probably where they should have around Survivor Series because the other two girls weren't ready, and now Sasha was alienated, and it was a bunch of bullshit. So now you, you missed the boat in so many regards that what now? Like um, Unless you count on Ronda coming back in two years and her friends still being there, I, I don't see where you go. Well, So my bigger issue is this. It's not so much that I want Shannon to move up. It's the problem is that they moved her too fast and she kept retaining instead of putting somebody over. So now it's like I don't want to see her with the title anymore because my biggest issue with Shayna Baszler is I don't think that she's that good in the ring. And she's carried that title for quite a while. She's gotten better in like increments. Yeah. And she'll get, she'll, you know, she'll. Well, they put her in a lot of multi women matches now. So maybe they feel the same way about you and they just hide her, give her her spots. That makes it even worse because now you're having a match with one of the best women, 
wrestlers on the planet, Neo Shirai. And, you know, if EO loses, it's, it's almost like, what the fuck are we doing? Because Bianca Belair, they just they refused to put it on her. And to their credit, she wasn't ready. No, nah, she was wrong. She wasn't, but neither but, was Shayna. Yeah. Like, neither was Shayna to have the title when she won it from Ember Moon. But I thought maybe she, they fast-tracked her to get with Ronda, and then they just never pulled the trigger. So now they're just stuck yeah, so they're in a position where if Shayna drops the title, you immediately expect her to show up on the main roster. But there's really no room for her on the main roster. So what do you do? She can't just really wrestle on NXT just randomly. I don't know what you do with her. So they have too many. Again, we go back to it again. They have too many goddamn people. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that Shayna Baszler loses. Io Shirai gets the title. Um, and if they can't figure this shit out, they're going to run it back. Hopefully not. But that's probably what's going to happen. I don't happen. even know if they've built another heel woman yet. So... They haven't. I mean, you're going to flip Bianca again? Was that what this Yim, you know, my Yim feud was about? Like, I don't like to flip back to a heel? I don't, I don't know. Um, then we have Gargano, Cole, no stipulation. Which seems a bit odd, but I mean, these guys can wrestle their ass off. So what do I know? We're going to get a good match. And somehow Johnny is going to lose and Cole's going to take the title off him. I don't know how the fuck this finishes, but I know Cole's going to stand there and get a huge pop as champion. Man, I don't know. This is a match that I can't call because I feel like I'm back. I'm saying the same thing again. If Cole doesn't win, what the fuck are we doing? Because at a certain point, you just look at it like, well, what the, he's been kind of in all the title pictures and hasn't won the big one, but at the same time, John Gargano just got the title. Yeah, I mean, I I'm perfectly fine with them doing this again in New York. People think it's weird. Like, if Johnny can survive again, I'm okay with it. And then having Cole take it off him in New York, like third times the charm type shit. Like maybe undisputed era cost him, and he's just like, you know, I gotta do this alone. Thank you guys, but no thing like we need like a fucking hell in the cell. We need some. I need to be alone to win this title. Maybe I just I don't know. Like they're running this match back, and I'm like, all right, that's cool. And I just kind of I'm starting to look at it funny in the light because I'm like, eh, I yeah. can't. Why? No, nah, I just can't see. I can't see Gargano losing. So I'll say that to say I think that Adam Cole is going to lose and Gargano is going to retain. But. It's just enough unpredictability to keep me entertained. It's just enough to where it could either way that it goes, I'll be fine with it. Um, and the fact that I really don't know who's going to win is probably the best part. Yeah, it's, I mean, listen, man, we want long feuds. This is a long feud, perhaps. So let's, yeah, if it continues after, it. but you know, it's something that started before Mania, and we get that that match, and which was great, and it continues on. So let's see, let's see them build a long feud. Let's. Let's let them do everything we ask for them to do and see how the shit pans out. Um, so that's going to be good. We ran through that. The last thing to touch on real quick before we get out of here, UFC has a card this weekend. It feels like I haven't focused on the UFC card in forever. Um, but it's just been so under the radar. It's crazy. Uh, but we have Alexander Gustafson versus Anthony Smith headlining this weekend. Um, what's your predictions on that fight, Dre? Um, hmm. it's a tough fight, actually. Uh, I'm going to go with Gus. 
I think Anthony Smith had a great run. I don't think the loss of John Jones has really taken anything out of him. But on the flip side of that, I think that Gustafson is a little bit more well-rounded than Anthony Smith. He's going to look to take the fight to the ground. That being said, I wouldn't be surprised if Anthony Smith knocks him out in like the first two minutes of the fight. <laughs> but the longer that it, the longer that it drags on, the more the disadvantage that Anthony Smith is going to be because Gustafson will be there. So I'm going to pick Gus to win this fight, maybe by late submission. Uh, I'll That's take fine. Gus to the cards. It just seems like that type of fight. But like you know, Smith is just so damn tough. I'm not yeah. going to pick someone to to finish him necessarily. Like he's just going to take an ass whooping and take it all 25. Um, but like you said, he clipped Gus on some Rumble Johnson shit and lights will be out. Uh, and Smith will put himself right back in title contention. But, uh, no, I, yeah, I think uh, I'll go with Gus, too, just to play it safe, oddly enough. Um, we also have Vulcan Ozdemir on this card versus Alir Latifi. Slept on yeah, fight. That should be good. Yeah, I mean, because Ozdemir got his train derailed. He got defeated by Cormier, then he got knocked out by Anthony Smith, and he's just like, well, forgot about him. Dude was just fighting for a title opportunity. Uh, well, he just had a title opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, Latifi, uh, he's a good fighter. I just think Ozdemir's got more to offer, so I'm going with Vulcan here. Yeah, I'm going to go with the same. Uh, Latifi's kind of weird to me. Like, he, he's good, but I don't know how good he is. Like, you know, I'm not going to put him up there in the category of, like, someone who should be challenging for a belt, even though that division could use as many new challengers as possible. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't see it. Not yet. So, um, yeah, man, that's, that's UFC this weekend. We actually pulled out a full show, which is crazy. It's past midnight for you. You got a lot of shit to do this weekend still. So, yes. we want to say thank you to you guys again a crazy week for the corner podcast. We would do it all over again if we could. So amazing, so much support. Only bigger and better going forward. We have an eye on Chicago. Man, we it's just the beginning. This is this is what we do and it's going to get bigger and better. So, thank you to all the corner club people out there. Um new listeners, anyone who's just joined us, thank you guys as well. Follow us on all platforms at the corner LSN, me at Kel Dansby, him at Andres Hale. Patreon members Thank you, guys. I got all the addresses and sizes for the T-shirts. If you haven't sent me it, send me those, please, this week. I'm shipping them out to you guys so you guys can have your Corner Club shirts um, and rocking them. Let me know if you want the you know, Goddamn Mikel, the Brunch God Dre, or the show one, uh, Shut Up and Podcast, with both of us on it. So uh, hit me up on Patreon. A ton of content going up there as well. Behind-the-scenes stuff from Thursday shows, great clips. Uh, it's going to be so fun, man. Thank you, guys. Until next week, we're out. Peace. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.